0: I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Matthew, chapter 15. We're going to be looking at when life goes to the dogs. Verses 21 through 28. When life goes to the dogs. Okay. Syrophoenician woman, Canaanite woman. In verse 21. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman came out from that region and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David! My daughter is cruelly demonized. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting out after us. We're going to stop right there, because it gets interesting, or more interesting. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for your love and your grace. Thank you for the music this morning, and for Daniel uh, bringing forth the special. And Lord, I just pray that you'll just continue to open our minds and our hearts to your, uh, your being, your presence, uh, by way of your word and and the message and I pray that your grace its sufficiency that can handle all things I pray that uh, We will experience it during this service and allowing you to Touch our hearts and our lives and seeing you uh, speak to us in a very unique and special way as only you can so just uh, use this messenger and as, in the way that you would uh, have me be used in the message and i just pray that uh, the lives will be touched as only you can touch them for i pray this in jesus name amen jesus is teaching his disciples occasion by occasion and here we see with this occasion is another lesson sometimes the lessons are repetitive as we'll look at in in uh, the next message where it deals with the feeding of the four thousand sometimes uh, you know he uses that repetition but in matthew in chapter 15 he's teaching them again about wrong teaching he is kind of repeating what he's just shared with them and taught. To taught them about the Pharisees and the scribes coming to him and saying why do your disciples not wash their hands before they eat you remember that story where he said that you know uh, has nothing to do with the heart the heart is the issue where defilement comes in other words it's like what Paul said for all have sinned and come uh, short of the glory of God There's none righteous, no, not one. And so we all have a defiled heart. This is a very important lesson that goes along with what has just happened. In in essence, it is a repetitive type of teaching. And he's trying to teach the disciples where the defilement is and what they need to do. And each and every person needs to do to have their hearts cleansed. So in Matthew, he's just taught them about uh, this defilement and uh, how it was wrongly taught by the Pharisees and the scribes. And in verse 21, we're told that Jesus went away from there. In other words, this is very important. He went away from Galilee area. The Galilean area. Now, what is the Galilean area made up of primarily? Jews, right? And so, it says he withdrew, and this is very important. He withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And there he met this Canaanite woman who came out crying and saying, um, crying out and saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord. And this is very important. This is a Canaanite woman, Syrophoenician. Canaanite woman who is considered an enemy of the Israelites. And how does she address Jesus? She addresses him as the Messiah. Now, how in the world did that happen? We'll talk more about this in in just a few moments. They're deep in Gentile territory. They withdrew deep into Gentile territory. He wanted to get away from the crowds. He wanted to get away from, uh, you know, all that was going on, the activity, the controversy. And so he wanted to pull away from the recognition that, that he had gained with the Jewish people the crowds that were coming to him wanting him to heal them and and to take care of their needs. And so he goes into the Canaanite territory, the Syrophoenician territory. And this is so very important because uh, this area today is referred to as Syria Syria and uh, Lebanon. And Syro refers to the area of Syria. And Phoenicia, uh, being the area of the seafaring cities, refers to uh, the area known as Lebanon. So Tyre and uh, Sidon are Lebanese areas now. And so something is very interesting happening here. Something that is very interesting. And as we look at this, we see one of the people that you would probably not have thought that would have known anything about it. We don't know how in the world she heard of, uh, about this or if she did. It was just given to her divinely. Because the, uh, a message could have gotten to her by way of other people saying, Hey, I heard that he's son of David but why would that matter to her here is a Canaanite woman so how does this Canaanite woman know that Jesus is the Messiah and and why would a Canaanite woman care who is the Messiah Jews are the enemies but you notice that here she comes and she cries out that Uh, For Jesus, the son of David, O Lord, son of David, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. She certainly wouldn't have been knowledgeable of the Messiah, I don't think, much less looking for a Messiah. But she cries out to him. So whatever has happened and whatever has laid the background, God's placed it in her heart that this person is the one. That she needs to go to. And so she comes crying and wailing. And the, the, the wailing was very, you know, it was a very common thing during that day and time. Because in the eastern way, Middle East, because it was a way of getting attention. You know, you had the wailers that would go to the, the, um, the funerals and different things like that. They wanted to draw attention to what was happening or to themselves or whatever was going on. And so she cries out, have mercy on me, O Lord of David. Now, Lord here is used in a general sense. She's not calling him Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but she is recognizing him as the son of David. And this is a messianic title. And so it's one of, it means that it's one of David's seeds, the promised one, in other words, that the Bible talked about, the consolation of Israel. The one who would come and deliver them. The one who would come and offer salvation to them. And so knowing who she is, by whatever way it was, it was definitely God led. She pleads for mercy. Have mercy on me. She has a need. And uh, She cries out to God with this need, uh, or cries out uh, to God, the Lord Jesus Christ, with this need. She recognizes that he is the one who can take care of her need. And so she comes to him. We have a caring mother who loves her daughter greatly and, and recognizes that this is an insoluble problem. She's probably tried every which way to, to try and get this, uh, her daughter right, but she, she cannot, and she does not have the power to. And so this picture is, is really a terrible scene because if you look at it, she's not only demon-possessed, that's bad enough, but look at the nature of the possession, cruelly demon-possessed. I mean, she had been worked over by this demon in a terrible way. And she's coming to Jesus with a desperate need. She's asking Jesus to exercise this demon that's within her daughter. Now, this is when it really gets, uh, I mean, very interesting. I mean, we know that Jesus is a caring individual, don't we? We know that he's a loving individual. This love... That Daniel talked about from 1 Corinthians, who they originate with? God. So we know that Jesus is loving. So Jesus is going to reach out and say, Dear, I know the trouble that you're in. I know the trouble that your daughter has, and I'm here to help her. He answers in a very unexpected way. He says, But he did not answer her, first of all, at all. He didn't say a word to her. And then his disciples came to him and kept asking him, saying, Send her away, for she is shouting out after us. So first of all, the interesting thing, and it gets more interesting with his reply, the uh, the first thing is he doesn't say anything. It's, It's like he doesn't even care. He doesn't even recognize her. And this makes for a very uncomfortable situation with the disciples. You see, they they come to him and they tell him that she is persistently crying out for help for her daughter. She's shouting out after us, Jesus. She's causing a scene. Do you know where we are? Do you understand that we're no longer in the Jewish territory? We're in the Gentile territory. Now, the disciples came to him, and they kept asking him, Jesus, please, send her away. Man, she's annoying. She's she's making a scene. Kind of like some people you see on TV today, isn't it? I mean, you you just watch a White House press conference, and you get it. Jim Acosta, I'll tell you what, man, the way he just rudely acts sometimes, I don't see why they don't move him out of the the building completely. But I know there's freedom of speech. But can you imagine somebody coming into a worship service and doing that? You say, but that's a White House. Well, that is, and we should respect our leaders, shouldn't we? We really should. We should have respect. So, but Daniel said, yeah, I could see somebody coming in. There there has been people that's come into services. I think it was Daniel or was it Tim? Uh, People have come into services. We had one on Sunday night, but I was asking for questions, and so it was a little bit more expected. But uh, some services, they have had it disrupted, haven't they? by different groups and they shout and they holler and they they want attention i would hope that my deacons would be wise enough and spiritual enough to kind of move them out and say we'll talk with you sit with them and say we'll talk with you later after service i was at a church when I was growing up, and I did not know what, I, what was going on, but I've shared with you before. Now, this was a person who came down right in front of the preacher and said, I want to talk to you right now, right in the middle of his sermon. And some of the deacons got up and very graciously escorted him to the back. He said, so-and-so-and-so-and-so, would you... Uh, Take him back there, and I'll talk with him after I've finished service. He had come that morning ready, and this is what he said. I was determined to kill my wife, my family, and myself. I had reached that point. Well, after service, the preacher went back there. The deacons had already talked, began to talk with him. And guess who came to know the Lord? He did. And that night he shared with the church. And guess who else came to know the Lord? His family. You have that sometimes. And this was a disruption. And with the, di- with the uh, disciples, it was an inconvenience, but it was also making them very nervous because this was bringing attention to them, and they were out of their comfort zone, the Jewish territory. So Jesus answers and says, and this is really where, it, I mean, my goodness, it, it, it gets wild. You wouldn't ever thought that he would have said this. I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now who are of the house of Israel? He's saying this for a reason. people... What have the Pharisees and the scribes done? They have distorted their chosenness, their calling, Israel's calling. And because of probably them as a nation, we we know different reasons. But one reason maybe was because here they were chosen way back in the Old Testament to be God's light and to share with other nations God's love and then they were became abused by other nations and hurt by other nations and so they what they kinda just insulated themselves but what they didn't know that God was working they would they stopped reaching out they become they they became inwardly inclined to only think about themselves and God just allowed through their disobedience and sin to allow other nations to take them away so that they would have to be a witness. And to also make them see their disobedience towards him, disciplining them. But here they were. The Jewish men thought in a Jewish way. They were already nervous. And we need to understand this scene. They were nervous, and they were in front, or they were in an area of great uncleanness. It wasn't kosher for a Jew. And they are in an area of defilement. And they probably feel threatened, and not only that, not only do they feel threatened, outnumbered, hey, it's just us few, and here are all these gathering around. And they're not of our kind. They're unclean. What would they do to us? They're enemies to God. And so in turn, the more she cried, the more attention it was brought to them. And Jesus is what? He's showing them their prejudice. Their bias. He's letting them think just like with the scribes and the Pharisees, their bias, their prejudice, that it's in their heart that they're not chosen because they keep some kind of hand-washing. They're not clean because they do that before they eat. Their heart, they were, what did he call them? He called them defiled, didn't he, basically. He called them sinners. He said that they were evil. And so in turn, what, it, what he's doing here, Jesus is doing here, and it sounds so out of character for him, he's teaching the disciples a lesson. And he's wanting them to understand that it's what's in the heart. And so what does he say? I came only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now the woman hears him talking to the disciples. And and, and she uh, she comes over to him and she began to bow down before him saying, Lord, help me. I mean, she's imploring him, help me, Lord. Please don't send me away. I beg of you, please help me. Now here's the disciples He's showing them. He's teaching them. And the answer that he gives is uncon- inconceivable. You know, you say, my goodness. How could he say something? But he's teaching a lesson. Not only is he, he driving her closer to the desperate need that and, and him that she needs to, to just throw herself upon him completely and understand this, and she does, but... He's teaching the disciples because it's a very important lesson because we know that as the church was birthed later on in Acts, where did they have to go eventually? They had to go into the Gentile territory to witness to them. First in Jerusalem, then Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the world. So here he said, it is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs. Oh, my goodness. He's basically saying, why should I give you any hope? Why should I give you any assistance? Because you're a dog. Why should I take bread away from the children? Who are the children? Children of Israel. And give it to the dogs. Gentiles were looked upon as dogs, weren't they? And so they were the lost. Her reply to Jesus, though, was something of great faith. Yes, and wisdom. Look at the wisdom and and the way she approaches Jesus. Yes, Lord. But you know, even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Wow. I've come for you to be my master. And what does Jesus say? Oh, woman, right in front of the disciples, get this now. Your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. He's teaching a lesson to the disciples. Man, why was her faith so great? Because she had come to the right one. The Israelites had not been coming to the right one. The Pharisees and the scribes, they had rejected him. Called him, you know, the uh, uh, The devil. And so, as we look at this, we see that that, uh, she was of great faith. And the faith was great because it was in the object that she was placing it. She recognized Jesus for who he was. It's very important to understand what Jesus is teaching his disciples. Because in the last section of Matthew, if we don't get this, we'll miss it. Jesus was teaching the disciples that it's a heart that needed to be the issue. Not the washing of the hands before you eat food. So, in verse 19, Jesus describes the heart even. It's wicked condition. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things which defile the man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. Jesus is teaching the disciples that just like you have in your mind this Canaanite woman being defiled and this territory being defiled, made up of people who are defiled, you are defiled also. And it needs to be a heart issue. You need to have the heart changed. So Jesus does this, first of all, by ignoring the woman and causing more attention to be drawn there so that he can just hit home with his comment. And then second of all, he lets him know with the comment that it is faith in him that changes the heart. And Jesus tells the woman, Greater faith, basically, have I not seen, than this. I mean, this is coming from a person in Gentile uh, territory. So the woman has great wisdom and knowledge, and she says, okay, you know, Her her wisdom and knowledge was, okay, I accept your axiom. Just throw the bread down to the dog. Lord, I don't pretend that I am a, a child that deserves to sit at the table. Boy, isn't that beautiful? The Pharisees, though, thought so, didn't they? The scribes thought so. I will accept my place as a dog. Man, we all need to accept our place there. But even the dogs, though, feed off the the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Lord, I just want your, your crumbs. Just so I can be at your feet. That takes care of it. Oh, woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed. Faith was like no other faith in Israel. I want to just share a few things in closing here. A little principles. Number one, it's important to realize that the heart is wicked. Now, we, we can't be people, I don't care what generation it is, that think that we're pretty good people. Because once we think that we're pretty good people, we'll try to work our way into heaven. We've got to realize that we are unrighteous. There's none righteous, no, not one. And that our heart is defiled. And there's there's nothing that we can do to change that. And it's important to realize that the heart is unfixable on our own. We can't fix it. And then third, it's important to realize that God is the only source of justification somehow she recognized that Jesus was the Son of God the Messiah the Redeemer and only God can open up our eyes that way only God can as we see this and we see our need only God can show us that hey I am the way so many people today think that they're okay because they belong to some religion Some church, they've gone through the waters, but it's in Jesus, it's Him that changes our life. It's important, as you realize that, to cast yourself upon Him in faith. You can't work your way. You come to the point where she did, and you just cry out, and you say, God, help me. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I don't deserve heaven. But God, I'll settle for the crumbs. Just wash me in your blood. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I don't want to be famous I don't want to be this or that and draw attention to myself. I just want to sit at your feet and let you work through me. And it's important also to realize, and this is speaking primarily to Christians, that sometimes, now listen very carefully, sometimes God is silent. She was crying out, jesus did not say a word have you ever cried out and he seemed silent you begged and for a long time it just didn't seem like it was getting anywhere you were getting anywhere and you wondered god why it's important to understand as a believer refusal is not necessarily a no answer did he seem to refuse her at first yeah you'd say this coming from Jesus but you've got to see the whole story don't you you've got to understand it many times we look at refusal as a no answer and we leave discouraged and we leave hurt and Here Jesus was trying to teach the disciples and the woman an important lesson. And Jesus so often is trying to teach us that also. And we just give up when he doesn't answer us the way that we'd like for him to. Or we don't hear the answer. Or we even try to make things happen if we don't hear And it's important also to realize that a hopeless situation that seems hopeless with us is just an opportunity for jesus to do a work where he gets a glory and honor she wouldn't give up she threw herself in front of jesus believing that he could take care of it not her that he could it was an impossible situation for her but not for jesus And then last, it's important to realize that sometimes with our personal needs, I think we give up too quickly when Jesus desires for us to be more persistent like her. Why, are we trying to talk him into something? No. But he's trying to let us learn something total dependence. Do we really mean what we're praying? Man, how many times? Let's just be honest. Have we prayed? And we just prayed and said some words. And really not gotten into it with Jesus being persistent and seeing him as a source. And seeing him as the one we really need to go to and we just give up we don't pray about it that much would jesus sometimes then become silent wanting us to realize and see that hey were we really sincere about that god save old mike over there and then you don't pray anymore about old mike aren't you glad people Didn't give up praying for you. Aren't you glad that people gets on a first name basis lifting you up and not in just a general term. God saved the whole world. Let's get more specific. That's why we're wanting to get our minds and our hearts open to people these concentric circles where we touch people's lives we get their names we become concerned over we pray for them. that's the beginning and we talk to them also about Jesus I don't think I don't think you can really pray for a person not sincerely desperately i i I really don't think that you can really be go to lord in concern about someone without god saying you're concerned about him share with them talk to them but god you don't know how it is i mean they're hostile they're they're mean they're they're ugly they they know a lot about the different philosophies of the world, and I, I just don't. But do you know me? I'm not asking you to save them, I'm just asking you to share with them. But, God, I, I haven't been through any outreach program. Do you have a testimony about what God has done in you? That that means a lot. Well, they may say this, may say, oh, "Oh, wait a minute. Who's saving them?" Just all I ask you to do is share and continue to pray for them. You may not lead them to the Lord, but you continue to pray for them. I want you to be concerned, and we have other needs. That God wants us to do the same thing about. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.